If you have your Bibles today, I'd love for you to join me in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter number 4. And while you're finding your place in Ephesians chapter number 4, there were two guys, and as these two guys were, I know that says Mark chapter 11, but I'm not ready to go there yet, so I changed it in between services. I've already preached once, and I didn't... Uh, I didn't, uh, I felt like the Lord wanted me to switch gears a little bit, so I've changed that passage of Scripture for this morning. So Ephesians chapter number 4. Uh, and while you're finding your place there in chapter 4 of Ephesians, did you hear about the uh, two guys? They were sitting and they were talking to each other about anger. And one of the guys said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. He says, I'm going to show you the difference between anger, frustration, and rage. And the other guy says, you are? He says, yeah, watch this. It was about midnight, and the guy picked up his cell phone, and he dialed a random number. And the guy picked up and said, hello. And the guy on the other end says, hey, is Jones there? And the man said, man, Jones don't live here. And he hung up the phone. He said, that, sir, is anger. He said, now I'm going to show you what frustration is. He waited one hour at 1 o'clock in the morning. He picked up the phone and dialed the same number. The guy picked up, he said, what? He said, is Jones there? The man said, I'm telling you right now, Jones don't live here. You got the wrong number. Don't you know it's one o'clock in the morning? And he hung up the phone. And the man turned and said, that is frustration. He says, now I'm going to show you what rage is. He waited another 45 minutes. He picked up the phone and he dialed the same number. And the man picked up. He said, what? And the man said, hey, this is Jones. Have I had any phone calls tonight? The difference between anger, frustration, and rage. Dear friend, that phone call triggered that man to experience all three of those emotions. We're living in a day today where we are triggered many times to become angry. There's not a person here that has not been touched with anger in one way, shape, or another. What's so fascinating to me is people do the craziest things when they lose their temper. Have you ever seen a toddler throw a temper tantrum? They got them little stubby arms and legs, and they roll on the floor, and they kind of kick around and all, and screaming and yelling. Growing up, our kids weren't immune to that. I got my oldest here today, Alyssa. Alyssa, you pitched your share, fair share of temper tantrums. So how would y'all handle that? We just told her she couldn't do it. She said, we don't do that here, and we turn around and walk away. You know, it's amazing what a kid might do when you just turn around and walk away when they're throwing a temper tantrum. Since you're not paying attention to them, they just stop. They said, stop, and they quit doing that. But have you ever seen a toddler throw a temper tantrum? How about this one? The only thing worse than watching a toddler throw a temper tantrum is a teenager. You ever seen a teenager throw a temper tantrum? Man, I'll never forget when I was in high school, we were, uh, we were playing with one of our friends there and just messing with him, whatever. Well, he got triggered and got so, so angry that he went over to the boys' locker. We were in the boys' locker at this particular time. And he went over to one of his, one of his best friend's lockers. Now, it's important to understand the setting here. The principal of the school's office, he could open his door and sit at his desk and look at the uh, boys' lockers. And so we had just been really, we, we pushed it too far, and it triggered one of our friends. And he got so mad, he reached in, and he raked all of the books of this boy right off in the floor. And the very moment that he was triggered and raked his, these books in the floor, the principal opened the door and was watching him do that. And, man, they pitched the biggest temper tantrum I've ever seen. It was the ugliest thing. It ended up in a three-day suspension. Temper tantrums aren't good for teenagers. 
What about this? Have you ever seen a mother throw a temper tantrum? My stars, I'm not going to, I don't know any names, but I was this week sitting in the parking lot. And as I sit in the parking lot this week, uh, not at the church, but at a place uh, uh, in town. And man, there was this lady on the telephone and her child was right there beside her. And I don't know who she was talking to, but whoever it was has triggered her. And man, she was absolutely upset. She was ranting and raving. She got out of the car and slammed the door. She paced back and forth. She threw her hands up in the air. She, something had triggered her to become absolutely angry. How about this? Have you ever seen somebody that got angry while they were driving? You ever experienced road rage? Don't raise your hand. Bless God, please. I don't, don't do that. This message is on being triggered. We don't want to trigger anybody to anger this morning. But the fact of the matter is we're living in an angry society in an angry world. I got to confess, even I myself have been plagued with anger at times. I can remember being in high school. I, I play, play, played uh, football. In fact, I played uh, every sport there was at the school. And I, I'm ashamed to say this. Before I got saved, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I got thrown out of every sporting game, at least one game every year. And, that, and that's a tr I'm not a, I'm not a proud of that. I'm ashamed of it. But I'm telling you, the games I got kicked out of, I was triggered to anger. So what do you mean? Well, let me give you an illustration. We were just a small private school, and we were playing a, a 1A school, and we were no A, and we traveled all the way up there. And on the very first play of the football game, the very first play, I was playing split in, the very first play, we scored a touchdown. Well, that didn't set well with that 1A school. They absolutely were irated us. So we lined back up, and I was playing split in. The cornerback that was, that was guarding me, he was there, and the quarterback called the cadence, and when he took the ball at the snap, and I got off the line to run my route, this guy buzzered, no kidding. He reared back, and he hit me right there in the goozer. I mean, right in the Adam's apple. I said, just like that right there. I mean, it was like that. And, man, I hit the ground. The, um, the, uh, the uh, uh, umpires and, and, and the referees, they, they didn't see it. But, bless God, I not only saw it, I felt it. And that triggered me. So I got in the huddle, and I'm going to be honest with you, David, I don't even know what play they called. All I could think about was that number 22 that had just punched me in the throat. He's about to get what's coming to him. So we got out there and we lined up and I was looking at him and he was looking at me and I said, you're going to die. <laughs> now let me just say this. I wasn't a very big guy. I was skinny, you know. I mean, I, I was very thin and skinny and, and so I had to be scrappy. So when the snap happened on that one, I took off just as sure as the world. I jumped on top of that guy. He didn't have the football. There wasn't any playmate. We were on offense. I jumped on him, if you would. I ripped his helmet off. I started whipping on him. Boom, boom. And it looked like a shower of yellow flags raining down on me. <laughs> and th this is the, the truth. The only thing I remember next is I remember being in the lap of the principal of the school. He had his arms around me rocking me going, it's okay, Shane. It's okay. It's okay, Shane. That's the truth. <laughs> I'm telling you, we all get triggered for anger at some point in time. Anger is a real serious situation. As a matter of fact, when you look at our world today, you see that anger is plaguing our nation. We are an angry nation. And there are things that are happening in our world, in our society, in our culture today that can trigger us to anger. Might I say, church, it's so vitally important for you and I as born-again children of God, as being Christians, that we do not let anger control us. 
We've got to be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. Anger is a legitimate emotion, but anger can lead to sin. The Bible tells us here in this passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter number 4 in verse number 26. Notice what the Scripture says. If you have your pen, pencil, lipstick, or mascara, I would highlight, underline, put an asterisk by. I would do something to recognize this in my Bible, and I would be a, it would be a regular go-to because this is a biblical principle that you can implement in your life right now today to help you whenever you get triggered to go to anger. Notice what the Scripture says. Be ye angry... And sin not. Can we say that together? Let's say it together. Ready? Be ye angry and sin not. Then look at the second part he says. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. He says don't let the sun set and you still be angry. You see the Bible is clear. We can be angry but that anger needs to be a righteous indignation. A lot of times our anger is not righteous at all. Our anger many times, though it's a legitimate emotion, oftentimes is expressed illegitimately. Therefore, we have got to stop and pause and say, God, you are the controller of my life. Holy Spirit, you are reigning inside my heart. And right now, I'm having this temptation to be triggered to be angry. And I'm not going to do it. I'm going to have a righteous indignation and I'm going to be angry where anger is due and that anger is going to motivate me to do things in the positive and not things in the negative. You say, well, how do I know, Pastor, if I have an anger problem that results in the negative? Well, can I answer that by asking you this question? Here's one. When you get angry, do you hurt yourself? Man, I have met people over the course of my ministry that when they get angry, they hurt themselves. They cut themselves. They uh, begin to harm themselves in some way. They beat themselves up in some manner. Does that you? Does that describe you? Then you have an anger problem. How about this question? When it comes to anger, do you hurt others? Man, I've met individuals that when they get angry, they hurt others physically. They hurt others emotionally. They hurt others in their communication styles. What I'm simply saying is, is anger is such a real problem that not only do we hurt ourselves, but there are some who suffer from anger that hurt others. Does that describe you? You have an anger problem. How about this one? Do you damage property when you get angry? Man, I've met individuals over the course of my ministry that would absolutely put their fists through a wall. Or they would try to bust through a, a brick wall, breaking their arm and hurting property and damaging property. Man, I've seen people beat up cars. I've seen people uh, rip up books. I've seen people just absolutely do crazy things because they're angry. Man, I've never seen anything like it before. Did you know that we're living in a society that you can be triggered by winning a championship in football, baseball, or basketball? Man, I've never seen anything like it. You could have a team win the NBA championship and it triggers people to anger. They're burning cars on the streets. What has gone on in our society? We are an angry, angry culture. Did you know the Bible speaks of the perils of anger 262 times in 256 verses? It says that anger is an emotion that must be controlled. 
The Bible says over here, once again in Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 26, that we should not be angry and we should not, or we should be angry, but don't let the sun go down on our wrath because we should not sin when we're angry. And there's where the rub lies. I like the way the message puts it. The message put it this way. If you become angry, do not let your anger lead to sin. And don't stay angry all day. Do not give the devil a chance. See, we give the devil a chance when we're angry and we let him control our lives. We yield ourselves under the control of the Holy Spirit to the devil and we let the devil do things in us and act within us, if you would, in such a capacity that somebody that has no control over you is manipulating you like a puppet. Anger, is in, in an, as it is an emotion, isn't sin, but it can lead to sin if it's not controlled. Unresolved anger gives the devil access into your life. It's not how can I be good and mad, but it's how can I be good when I'm mad. Our example, of course, is Jesus Christ. Jesus was righteously indignant in Mark chapter 11, verses 12 through 18. We all understand that story. That's the story where he came and turned over the money changers. And we understand the righteous indignation that Jesus had over that because his house, which was supposed to be a house of prayer, had become a marketplace, a, a uh, flea market, if you would, for people to come and buy and sell goods. Every day, week in and week out. Now, does that mean that the church should not participate uh, in a yard sale? No, that's not what it's saying at all. Does that mean the church shouldn't sell T-shirts or coffee mugs or anything like that? Uh, well, if it takes primary place over worship, then no, they shouldn't do that. But that's not what it's saying at all. At all, what it's saying is anything that takes the place of worship on Sunday morning when you come to church can be a sin. And that made Jesus righteously indignant to say, listen, this place ought to be a house of prayer. This place ought to be a house where people come and get saved. So Jesus had every right to be angry. And there are many times over the course of Jesus' life where that right to, became, right to become angry did not result in retaliation. Jesus allowed for himself to go to the cross and he died in our place. Mankind did Jesus wrong, but Jesus willingly gave his life so that you and I might be saved. And what I find fascinating about Jesus is he never fumed. He always forgave. So if you want to be more like Jesus when you're triggered, don't fume up. Forgive. That is what's difficult. This morning, I want to take what little time that I have left, and I want to give you three points by way of introduction concerning anger. And then I want to come back in the next couple of weeks, and, and I want to do just kind of a little study, if I could, on a couple of folks in Scripture that we can look at who were angry and how they responded and what we might can learn from them. So this is a topical series that I've entitled, Triggered. Every one of us have a tendency to be triggered. This morning, the first thing I want you to notice and I want to point out regarding anger and getting triggered is I want to point out the root of anger. The root of anger. Did you know that, that anger is a secondary emotion? It's a secondary emotion requiring an emotional trigger. We aren't born angry. Something has to happen in order to ignite it. Anger is a choice we make and a habit 
we break. I could list countless number of triggers in our lives. This morning, for the sake of time, I'm going to try to give us five. I might cut it down if I see I'm running out of time, but I want to try to give us five under this title, The Root of Anger. Number one, the first thing I want you to think about is I want you to think about how anxiety is one of the roots of anger. It's a trigger. Anxiety. Anxiety oftentimes comes from fear. When people are anxious about something, it tends to put them on edge. They allow worry and fear to overtake them, and it slides them over into an area of anger. Anxiety reveals what we think and understand, however, about God. God promises to supply all our needs according to His riches and glory, and to never leave us and to never forsake us. He says that he will meet every need that we have. And when we put ourselves in a position of anxiety, we put ourselves in a position to say we don't trust God. And we try within ourselves to meet the need that we know we need to let God meet. Remember what the Bible says. The Bible says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, when we get moved into a position of anxiety, when we get moved into a position of fear, if you would, and there's a tendency for it to trigger anger, we need to stop and we need to turn that anxiety over to the Lord and say, God, I don't understand how I'm going to get through this. God, I don't understand how you're going to meet this need, but I'm trusting you to do so. I'm trusting you to meet the need of anxiety that I have within my heart. Paul told the church at Philippi, he says, be anxious for nothing. That means to actively put yourself in a position to say, I have a tendency to be anxious over this. And so I'm going to just allow myself to move over into the arena of trust. Can I just get real transparent with you as your pastor? Every Monday, I get a little bit anxious. I have that tendency. In particular, Steve, the third and fourth Sunday of the month. Or, excuse me, third and fourth Monday of the month. So why is that? Well, because the third and fourth Monday of the month is our low day when it comes to giving, if you would. Uh, a lot of folks in our church give uh, the first days of the week. And uh, we've set our budget. We're in budget planning right now. And, and every Monday, I kind of have this tendency to fall into a position of, uh, of being a little bit anxious. Did, did, are, are we okay as a church? Are we healthy? Are we moving in the right direction? And the Lord just oftentimes says, Son, you're being too anxious. Look back over the course of the year and look what I have done. And when you look over what God has done, you don't see, you don't see, if you would, a shortfall in finances. You see, God has abundantly used you through your obedience to meet every need that we have here at Maysville Baptist Church. And then he slaps me upside the head and says, Son, you're not even thinking about the right thing. He says, I want you to look back, and I want you to look back over the souls that have been saved this year. I want you to look at the those that have been baptized. Did you know that if we continue on the track that we're on once again this year, we're going to break 100 baptisms? In being consistent in just sharing our faith, sharing the gospel, and leading people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You know what pastor needs to do when it comes to be Monday tomorrow morning? What's the first thing I need to do? I need to turn my anxiety over to the Lord and say, Lord, I trust you with everything. You're going to meet every need that we have. Dear friend, now that's me. What about you? 
What are you going to be anxious about tomorrow? Could I encourage you to just turn that over to the Lord? And say, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know you're going to do it. I'm trusting you, and I'm not going to be anxious. Anxiety is a real trigger that could move us into anger. Number two, let me show you a second thing. How about this one? Frustration. Frustration. This is when things don't go as planned. We get flustered, and we get frustrated. We get frustrated, if you would. And instead of adjusting, what do we do? We explode. It doesn't matter if it's a work issue, a spouse issue, a kid issue. Frustration gets the best of us, and we feel compelled to yell and get angry. I heard this story about a pastor who needed a, who needed a lawnmower, and he saw this kid on the side of the road said, lawnmower for sale, and the pastor didn't have any money, so he walked up to the kid, and he said, son, he said, look, I got a bicycle, and I need a lawnmower. He said, would you like this bicycle for that lawnmower? And the little boy said, yeah. I said, that'd be great. So the pastor went back to his house, and he got the bicycle, and he traded the bicycle for the lawnmower. He got home and he tried to crank that thing and it wouldn't crank. He checked the gas, had plenty of gas. He checked the oil, had plenty of oil. And he pulled and pulled and that thing wasn't working. He turned that thing, took it back to the kid and he said, Son, said, I gave you that bicycle. It works perfectly. There's nothing wrong with it. He says, This mower doesn't work. He said, You gave it to me knowing that it didn't work. He said, Oh, sir. He says, I'm so sorry. I, I forgot to tell you. That, that mower right there, the only way it's going to work is you've got to cuss it a few times. The pastor said, Excuse me? He said, yeah, you got to say a couple of bad words to it. He said, son, he said, I'm a pastor. He said, I hadn't cussed in 20 years. The boy said, that's okay, preacher. He said, pull on that, pull on that cord four or five times. It'll all come back to you. <laughs> what is your trigger? Is it frustration? Is it anxiety? Did you know that psychiatrists have labeled this problem LFT? Low frustration tolerance. It claims that many people are walking around like ticking time bombs because their frustration level is so low. Dear friend, it would not surprise me if a majority of our nation today is not suffering from LFT. Dear friend, as a born-again child of God, we have got to live above that. We cannot live at the lowest common denominator. We can't let frustration push our buttons to a place where we become angry just because we're frustrated. Oh, dear friend, there needs to be a righteous indignation that we stand in the gap of when it comes to this issue of biblical principles. We've got to be righteously indignant when it comes to marriage. We've got to be righteously indignant when it comes to abortion. We've got to be righteously indignant when it comes to those things that the Bible speaks clearly about. But to get frustrated because somebody cut you off and you want to flip them the bird or cuss them out should never be reported among born-again children of God. Number three, pain. Pain is a root of anger. It is a trigger. A lot of times when we experience pain, we have a tendency to get angry. It doesn't matter if it's physical pain, emotional pain, or social pain. We'd rather be angry at somebody or something than rather just experience the grief process as it should be as it relates to pain. Pain hurts. Can I get a witness right there? It hurts. 
And at the very moment that we allow that pain that hurts move us out of the arena of joy, out of the arena of happiness, out of the arena of the light of Jesus, and move us over into the arena of darkness, into the arena of frustration, into the arena of aggravation, into the arena where we are so upset over something that has caused us pain. Dear friend, you're going to have pain in your life. We are not home yet. Uh, several weeks ago, I was, uh, we, uh, uh, there was a flat tire in, my, in the driveway. One of the 15 cars that we have to have at my big family's house, somebody had a flat tire. And uh, so um, my, my dad uh, grew up uh, uh, working on tires and selling tires, and not the family still got Garrett Tire, tire Company in uh, Center, Alabama. I mean, it's all more family there. So I, I knew how to plug a tire. And uh, so I get in there, and I was trying to ream that hole out so I could plug the tire. And while I was doing it, there was really not enough space between the tire and the, and the car. And, man, I, I hit my knuckle, and, and, man, I just found out where I lived. Ow, man, that, 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 really, that really hurt. Dear friend, what happens when you hurt yourself like that? For some of us, we cuss. For some of us, we take it out on the people we love. They didn't hurt you. Really, the bottom line is you hurt yourself. So you get back to think about it. If you'd have done it right, you wouldn't hurt yourself to begin with. So why do you want to verbally puke all over the people you love? Or why do you want to hurt the people that you love because you did something to yourself? Dear friend, you can't, watch this. You can't learn and you can't grow without pain. You think about it. Every painful experience that you ever had has led to a position of growth in your life. God uses pain in our life not to make us angry, but to help us learn. Anger can be a trigger, or pain can be a trigger for anger. Let me give you a fourth one very quickly. Here's number four. Embarrassment. Have you ever been embarrassed? Uh, embarrassment. Embarrassment in close association with humiliation is uh, one that nobody likes to be made fun of. Nobody likes to be laughed at. There are people that leave the church. Watch this now. There are people that leave the church because somebody embarrassed them. Dear friend, when it comes to this area of embarrassment, don't let embarrassment be a trigger to move you into the arena of anger. It's not worth it. Several weeks ago, I said that we ought not to live uh, in the lowest common denominator. So what does that mean? Well, you think about it. You think about how our country is living. We're an angry society. Everybody's angry at somebody else. I mean, I tell you what, we're angry at our neighbors. Our neighbor, eight neighbors are angry at us. We're, neighbor at our, we're angry at our co-workers. Our co-workers are angry at us. The Democrats hate the Republicans. The Republicans hate the Democrats. Uh, the Senate's upset at the House. The House is upset at the Senate. The President's upset with the Democrats. The Democrats upset with the President. The President's upset with the Republicans. They're upset with the... With the it's just everybody's angry at everybody. And we're on edge. Let's stop just a minute. As born-again children of God. And let's not let embarrassment move us into a position where we have or think we have a right to exercise anger. Hey. Embarrassment is not a trigger to say that you have a right to be righteously indignant. Nobody likes to be embarrassed. I can think over the course of my life, there have been many times in regards to my life where I've been embarrassed. 
And I look back and I think how God has taught me through those embarrassing times. And how I've learned through that embarrassment not to, to make the, those mistakes again. Let me give you a, a, a fifth one very quickly. I've got I to move on. My time is running out. Here's the fifth one. Resentment. Resentment. Resentment is pent-up animosity we have towards others because something they said or did against us that resulted in loss. The trigger is simple. Somebody harms me, then bless God, I'm going to harm you back. Do unto others before they do it to you. No matter what the trigger is, we almost recognize that we have to own our own anger. I can remember back when I was a, uh, a teenager. Uh, uh, this, isn't, this isn't good. Again, I'm not proud of it. I was playing basketball. And uh, as I was playing basketball, I wasn't a very good basketball player. I'm five foot nine. And uh, again, very skinny, very scrawny. Uh, could be quick, but really had to be, be physical uh, in the key in order to, to do anything. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't dribble all that good. I could rebound. If they needed somebody to get fouled out, I was the man they called. Can you go? We need that. That one right there needs a foul. Shane, get in the game. And I can remember one time in particular, uh, uh, the teams that we played, we played each other every year. So we grew up together. We, we knew each other. And in regards to uh, resentment and uh, having animosity towards someone, uh, there was this one time in particular I was going down the court and as I was running down the court uh, one of our opponents he knew me I knew him I didn't like him he didn't like me we had already had a tangled time or two over the course of the last uh, two uh, quarters and the, the bottom line is just simply this he threw his leg out there and he pushed me well I didn't take to that very well so I just got up and jumped on him and started wailing on him again the whistle started blowing. Referees started coming along, and they ended up pulling me off of him. And uh, the pastor didn't rock me that time. I just had to sit on the bench. I was thrown out of the game and uh, all this, all, all because I resented the guy. As a result of that, a couple of games later, I was walking into the gym, and I had my, my bag in my hand and had my shoes in it, my uniform and all, and Miriam's dad was there. Many of you know my father-in-law. He may be watching this morning. Hey, Paul, I'm glad you're watching this morning. I'm talking about you today. And I can remember walking in, and he was standing at the door. He opened the door for me as I was walking into the gym, and he had three pamphlets on anger. He said, here, son, I think you need to read these. And I took that, and I looked at it. And you know what I did? I got angry. <laughs> I threw it away. Dear friend, anger is such a real emotion. And the bottom line is each one of us have things in our lives that will trigger anger. This morning I only listed five. We could list several more. In fact, you're thinking of some now. And you can write them down if you want. But anger has its roots in one area. And that's sin. Resentment, embarrassment, pain, frustration, anxiety. All find itself in sin. Dear friend, the Bible says, be ye angry and sin not. The roots of anger. Let me show you a second thing very quickly by way of introduction. I want to talk just a few minutes about the reality of anger. The reality of anger. 
There are three things I want to tell you about the reality of anger. The first thing is this. Real, the reality of anger is it's always fruitless. And I'm talking about anger that results in sin. It's always fruitless. I would take down this passage of Scripture, Psalms 37, verse 8. Listen to how the message puts it. The message puts it this way. Bridle your anger, trash your wrath, and cool your pipes. It only makes things worse. Well, that, that, that's a good modern day illustration of what you need to do with anger. Bridle it. Put a bit in it. Control it. Trash your wrath. Throw wrath away. Throw it away. Why? Because it's fruitless. It will not produce good fruit. In other words, losing your cool seldom makes things better. It's fruitless. Listen to what Ben Franklin said. Ben Franklin said this. Whatever is begun in anger ends in shame. Uh, James chapter 1 Verses 19 and 20, we all know what it says. It says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Human anger does not achieve God's righteous purpose. Unless a person learns to manage their anger correctly, they're going to suffer, if you would, throughout the course of this life. Ed Young Jr. did a study on the types of anger. And he come up with four different types of people. He's classified them. I thought it was neat, so I want to give them to you this morning very quickly. He says, when it comes to anger, there are four types of people. He says, the first person you'll see is the person that is a toxic waste. A toxic waste. He says, this individual, if you would, is a person who is buried deep with anger. And over time, over years, they begin to leak out toxic waste and they infect everybody around them. He says the next person that he's noticed is the person that he calls the volcano. These are people that rumble for days or weeks. And finally they get to the point where they say, that's it. That's all I can take. And what happens? Boom! They erupt. And they erupt over everybody. He says there's a third person that he's noticed. He's classified them as the snow cone people. He says these are individuals that go silent. And they put the big chill. They'll put you on ice. And they won't talk to you. You got anybody in that life, in that, in, in your life like that? Or maybe you, you're, you're that person. How about this one? Here's the fourth one he said. He says, then there's that individual that he labeled the microwave. He says, microwave people confront the situation that bothers them with an instantaneous response. You hear beep, 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 boom! <laughs> and then they explode. The illustration, I guess, would be something like this. In the movie Forrest Gump, Jenny goes back to her own home place. And her and Forrest are standing there looking at their own ho that, that old home place. And in that home place, she was abused. She was beat physically. And she begins to weep uncontrollably. And one by one, she picks up rocks and she begins to throw those rocks at that house. And as she's throwing that, those rocks at that house time and time and time again, she finally gives out in exhaustion and falls to the ground and just begins to weep. And Forrest leans down and just says, sometimes there just aren't enough rocks. Dear friends, rocks is not the answer. Do you know what the answer is when it comes to anger? The answer is forgiveness. So that is so hard. 
It is hard. It's difficult. It's one of the most hardest things you'll ever do. But it's important because the reality of anger is that not only is it fruitless, but it's also foolish. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 29. The Bible says that a patient man has great insight. A patient man thinks and it's an insight, but a quick-tempered man always displays folly. One that is quick-tempered will go and do foolish, foolish things, according to Proverbs 14, 17. Did you know when it comes to anger, this is a fascinating study. Uh, listen to this. This is concerning uh, the Consumer Product Safety Commission. Did you know the, products, uh, the Product Safety Consumer Commission uh, did a study on vending machines and they found out that in the United States, 14 men were killed after not receiving a drink or receiving the correct change in a vending machine. 14 people died. You know what that means? They put their money in, they pushed the button, either they did not get what came out of the machine, what they wanted, or they did not get their change, and they shook the machine so violently that it tipped over on them and killed them. Fourteen people died as a result of that. Each person was a victim of their own anger. Now, it may not be a vending machine, but we run that risk of doing something foolish when we let anger control us. Here's the third one, reality of anger. It's forbidden for a Christian. I'm talking about anger that results in sin. Remember, the Bible says, Be ye angry and sin not. Colossians 3.18 says this, But now you must get rid of all these things, anger, rage, malice, filthy language from your lips. Don't nurse it. Don't rehearse it. Don't disperse it. Just curse it. Get rid of it. Say no to it. As a matter of fact, I want to close with this passage of Scripture here. As he says there in the text, get rid of all these things. The term get rid means to take off. It means to shed. It means like to take off this coat. If I was to take this coat off and lay it aside, I would get rid of it. And in getting rid of the coat, he's saying in the same manner, we need to get rid of anger. We need to take it off, get rid of it, abandon it. Why? Because it never never leads to righteousness. A righteous indignation will result in Jesus Christ's love. But in regards to our own personal anger, if it's not under control, the reality is that it's fruitless, it's foolish, and we practice something that's forbidden. So what's the remedy? What's the remedy for anger, Pastor? Uh, very quickly, three things and I'm done. Number one, control. Here's the first word I want you to think about, control. If you want to remedy your anger, then you have to commit to controlling it. Proverbs 29, 11, A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. So how do I do that? In order to get this under control, number one, the first thing you got to do is admit. Admit that, you're, that it's wrong. Number two, the second thing, you got to confess. God, I confess to you that I was wrong in that. And then number three, you've got to target the situation and not the person. Commit to control anger. Number two, you need to consider the consequences. That's the second word, consequences. Will expressing my anger resolve the issue or make matters worse? You go out and cut the grass and the lawnmower's got a flat tire. Well, man, you plan on cutting the grass. It makes you so mad. You walk inside, you kick the cat, you punch the dog, and you yell at your wife. Now, why in the world would you do that? Because you were angry. You do foolish things. Anger will always put you in a position of disunity. Think about the consequences, number three. 
communicate. Here's the last one, communicate. Correctly communicate anger. So how do I correctly communicate anger? Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. I'm going to end here, guys, so don't, don't do, add anything else. The Bible says in Proverbs 15, 1, A gentle answer turneth away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I've shared this story on, on many occasions, uh, and I, I close with it today. When I was a youth pastor, I, I would go to the schools early in the morning. I'd have prayer with the students. And on the very first day of school, here we are on the first day of school. First day of school, I was invited to come to Etowah High School to have prayer with the senior class. And uh, as the youth pastor, I got up. I got there very early. I parked uh, in an open parking spot. I got out. I went inside. I had prayer. And I'm leaving before school even starts. I mean, I'm leaving. I've had, we've had prayer, ministered and all. And I had noticed that when I came out, uh, my vehicle was pinned in. I mean, bumper to bumper on both sides. I had got hemmed in pretty tight. And I can remember walking to the car. My back's to the school. I'm looking at the car and I just kind of saying, well, it's like I'm going to be here a while. I'm going to have to go find out who this is. And about that time when I turned around, uh, there was double doors just like that right there. Uh, but the, the person was coming out of them, so it was crash doors, you know. And this lady, she crashed through those doors, and she hit those things so hard, they popped. Boom! I thought it was going to come back and hit her in the face. I, and I looked over there, I thought, ooh, she is upset about something. And she come huffing down the sidewalk, just like this right there. And I'm sitting there watching. I'm going, somebody is about to get it. This is going to be good. Guess what? She was coming towards me. I'm looking around, and here she comes. And she said, she took that finger, she pointed, and she said, I'm going to tell you something right now. I don't know who you think you are, but that's my parking space. I've been parking there for 14 years. How dare you take my parking space on the very first day of school? We're going to set some things right, right now. And man, she dressed me up one side and down the other. Steve, I'm here to tell you, I got a tongue lashing that day I ain't never had before. And I stood there, I just took it. I stood there and I took it. I did it. Well, after she had give out, <laughs> I said, I was thinking about this verse, by the way. I said, ma'am, I want to apologize for getting in your seat, in your parking spot. I said, my name's Shane Robertson. I'm the youth pastor at Cherry Street Baptist Church, and I was just having prayer with the senior class. Oh, my stars. She hung her head down. She looked and said, I'm a Christian too. <laughs> the Bible says a soft answer turneth away wrath. And that is so true. It does. Commit today that you'll give a soft answer. None of us in this room, none of us here are immune to getting angry. Now, I understand that there are some jobs and some positions, listen to me very carefully, where you've got to be stern and you've got to be authoritative. I get that. I understand that. But I'm talking about, that ain't you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Look, you're a born-again child of God. Why are you living so angry? Maybe it's because you've never truly trusted Christ as Savior. Maybe you're just religious and you really don't have a relationship with Jesus. 
Dear friend, today, if that's you, I got good news for you. You don't have to live triggered anymore. Today can be the day where you move that triggered spirit that you have over to a trusting spirit of Jesus Christ. And you can trust the Lord and he'll save your soul. I want to give you that opportunity this morning. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, maybe you're here today and maybe you've never trusted Christ as Savior. Maybe you're watching by way of video. I'm glad you're watching today. Thank you so much for watching. But maybe you're triggered today. You are living on the edge. You are just within a gnat's eyebrow of losing control. Dear friend, listen to me very carefully. That's not what God has for your life. God's got great things for you. He wants you to yield your anger over to Him. And dear friend, the very first step you've got to do is you've got to know that you're going to heaven when you die. You've got to know that you have a relationship with Christ. So friend, if you're here today and you do not know that, if you do not know where you'll spend an eternity, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, will you pray something like this to the Lord from your heart to God? Would you say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I haven't controlled my anger like I should. And if I were to die today, I'd go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. I'm asking you, Lord, to forgive me of my sin. And this morning, I'm asking you to be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving my soul. I repent of my sin, and I trust you today. In Jesus' name.